Ugh. We don't hate. We don't hate Perga. Wait. <laughs> we don't hate church. Like, wait, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, God. This is going to be in the podcast. <laughs> Keith, I, Keith is like, known for not editing this crap out and leaving it. <laughs> He's it like, just oh, by it... the way, I hit record, everybody. <laughs> it makes it more authentic. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Pilgrims and Prodigals. Or with all these pop filters I have on my mic, Ilgrims and Rodicals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm back, boy. I'm back. Ben's back. He's been on a uh he's been on a sabbatical from the podcast. You know, he was just he was living in just dark, deep sin, and I just I couldn't have it. So I asked him to take a sabbatical, get his life straightened up, it- and then he could be a Christian again. So I was under the impression it was a different kind of sabbatical, like the one that you you take when you're completely fine and there's nothing wrong, but you're asking too many questions, and then you just take one because you're confused, not because you're in sin. That tell me it doesn't exist. I'm on one right now. Okay, sabbatical. Don't tell me you know about my life unless you're in it. Okay, literally, dude. Okay, so Ben's name on the uh, the band thing we have for his house church is uh, Sabbatical for Life. So Sabbatical is life. Is life. <laughs> so there you go. Sabbatical is life. Ben is on a permanent sabbatical. So, <clears throat> which I mean, I could end. I could end and go back to church. I mean, I guess technically, I do a house church. Would but, you go back to that church? But I mean, <laughs> yes. I think I would. Is that weird? Does that make me crazy if I would say yes? I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't think I would go back there. And, uh, I wouldn't invest there, but I would go there. On a is, are morning. there like terms or things that you would work out to go there? Because I mean, technically, going to church doesn't require any kind of license or anything, so I don't think there's an approval process. Most people welcome visitors, so I oh, think. Okay. I think uh, technically, I should be good. <clears throat> When I show up yes. with a mariachi band, I don't. No one, n- nothing, nothing. So okay, so hypothetical question. Okay, say ten years down the road. Yes, because they already have like new worship leaders and stuff there. Ten years down the road, they Ooh. have a new pastor. Okay, would you go there? Would you visit? See uh, what's changed? Absolutely. Okay. I would. Because I have a lot of people that I love that still go there. I, I miss me a good Kathy hug. I, dude, I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> like, gosh dang. Like, I really want Kathy to hug me. I want Annette to change my kids' diapers. Yeah. I want and just love me. And I want uh, I want to shake Frank's hand. Frank yep. didn't even go there anymore, though. I, yeah, this left. is all besides the point. What, <laughs> Keith, what are we talking about today? We're getting, uh, we're getting sidetracked. <sighs> we're going to cry. Okay. We're going to uh, cry. I mean, I'm just thinking about all the people I miss. Oh, see? So you'd go there, too. I would. See? I'm for not some weird. people. For, of course, for some people. <laughs> what, I mean, what else? What other re- good reason is there to go to a church <sighs> other than the people that are there? What is a church other than the people that attend it? Yeah. Good questions. I mean, isn't the church like, like you know, the building and the music and um, the service? It depends who you're talking to. Okay. If you're talking to... A millennial, that's how they probably feel. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what <laughs> I've always assumed, like, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean... I mean, Nate, you used to install, like, sound systems. Didn't you feel like you were just anointing churches when you were installing those things? Like, the glory, you were putting the glory of God onto those churches. I, never, I, never felt, I never felt more conflicted in my <laughs> life. Like, I'm like, I'm doing the Lord's work because I'm facilitating sound systems. But these sound systems cost a half a million dollars. <laughs> Holy freaking crap. What yeah. could be done with that other than putting an excessive amount of technology yeah. in this building for no real good reason? So subwoofers or serving? Man, Another tough, good, that's tough a, call. I think we should have a subwoofers versus serving <laughs> yes. uh, podcast. Yeah. That would be a good episode. That's an episode to come there. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Future podcast with Nate. All right. So today, uh, first of all, welcome everyone. We've missed you. Uh, sorry, we fooled me and Amanda fooled you with our uh, misleading podcast name last time because they're not pregnant. 
we kind of did. I, I felt like a sellout after titling it that. Keith and Amanda have big news. It was. It was. It was so clickbait. But this is modern day, twenty uh, first century internet. That's how it works. Yeah. It doesn't even have. Like you could do a podcast about pianos and call it like man gets eaten by t-rex you know yeah for sure and people would be waiting for it to happen and then it would never happen <laughs> yeah and then you would feel like you were lied to no like, your wife actually like the no no no. it was jazz we were talking to jazz and she literally she had to be up at five in the morning when we put that up she saw it and it was like 11 o'clock at night and she listened to the whole thing hope hoping we would like say something at the end <laughs> so we That's we kept so people up <laughs> wow yeah never thought that it was that even if we said it was interesting i didn't think people would truly yeah lose sleep over it <laughs> yeah so i have uh kind of like a list of like future episodes we've got going on <clears throat> first of all what we're going to dig into tonight we're going to talk about uh why millennials aren't going to church and why like our generation is kind of straying away from organized organized religion, not necessarily from God, but just like from church as a structure. Um, and we're going to do a two part ser- sermon series on that. So um, get your tithe ready. Uh, bad place joke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, we're for... really good at announcements. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously we're going to have Nate on again uh, for future podcast and talk to him about stuff uh he's a really knowledgeable knowledgeable guy so we enjoy I having agree. him on so nate is wise beyond his years yep I've, i'm actually talking to a couple other guys too um scheduling some other stuff but uh i guess let's just jump into it and sounds see, great see what we got so i looked up a study that was done by barna this week um and they were just talking about why millennials aren't going to church and uh I don't know, Ben, if you could if you could uh say one reason why our generation is straying away from organized religion, like what do you think it would be before we dive into it? Oh man. So I only get to pick one reason that millennials <laughs> don't like church? I mean you is take that, it you take it away, question? man. It doesn't one, have to be one. One reason why millennials don't like church. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, while they are many, if I had to just pick one, it would probably be that there is no room for us. Okay. I mean, and there's many facets to that, but I I really believe that there's not enough room for us in people's uh, ideology. Um, The fact that a lot of people aren't willing to bend and change and adapt yeah. to the culture. They're not willing to listen to someone who has this new view yeah. because we've been doing it already and it's been really successful and there's no reason for us to change it now. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, that is... Well, it's kind of like what you talked about on one of our initial podcasts where you said the church kind of just throws a band-aid on things and... I mean, you know. they just hardly... Yeah, you're right. They just... Uh, I feel like a lot of churches, no, not even churches, just Christian culture in general is ignoring a lot of the problems. Like, for example, yeah. Keith, you have stats that you can share with us later on. But the point is, before we even talk about stats, mm-hmm. every single person should probably know this. If you don't know this, you're not paying attention. Millennials don't like church. And when I say millennials, you think that like, oh, that's okay because millennials are crazy. That's an entire generation of people that don't like church. Yeah. And if you look at churches and what they're doing, there's no squads like, what do we do to get millennials involved? There's no search parties for the missing generation. There's no, the alarms should be going off every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. What is happening here? And there is almost no concern, really. Yeah. Because no, it's agree. easier without millennials because they don't, they are too different because and they don't too question. vocal. Yeah, and it, I mean, I've voiced before that I feel like if the church doesn't change to some extent, I feel like organized religion as we know it is just going to die off. Whether that's a good or bad thing, that's up for you to decide. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't think it would be the end of the world if organized religion failed off and all of a sudden I, – I, I don't know. Like I don't want to say like 
it would be a good thing, but I think that if people had to think through their religion on their own and they just didn't follow a bunch of traditions and structure, which, you know, that's a two-sided coin too, because traditions yeah. are good. I but agree. I, but I do think that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst thing if church Western, Westernized church culture, as we know it fell apart. I don't think it would be the worst thing. I, I totally agree with you, but I see like a dividing line in what you just said. Like you said, organized religion, and then you said westernized church culture. I think organized religion isn't going to go away. I think people are going to still organize yeah, together. But yeah, that's the, what I meant by that. Like yeah. the organized western church. So The way that we see church right now is probably not going to be the way that we see church in 50 years because it's either going to change or disappear. Yeah. Is that Would you agree with that statement? Mm-hmm. I think so too. So, yeah. So we kind of, I think we're going to talk more about that next week of like why millennials aren't going to church, unless you want to switch it up and we can talk about the stats next week and go in this week we can talk about. No, we can talk about stats now. I mean, okay. either way, I think both conversations, they're, it's the same conversation. Yeah. And I like the stats because I don't know. I feel like I'm more uh, proof statistic yeah almost kind of like scientific oriented like i want to know even in my own like christianity i want to know like why i believe what i believe so if i can look at figures and stats and proof and stuff like that it really helps me to believe in god even more that's why the church doesn't need you mm-hmm. no i'm just kidding i'm 100 percent <laughs> kidding that's so that's why the church yeah, <laughs> that's why the church does. Oh, man, that is so real. That's why the yeah. church does need millennials. Yeah. Get real people. Because we think. <laughs> so anyways, I'm going to go into a few of these stats. And uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think about it. So um, according to a study done by Barna, which is a notified um, group, um, they... Um, they have found that through all their surveys and everything, only two in 10 people under 35 go to church. And the millennial generation is technically like 35 to 18, I think is a technical age I've read limit. 22 to 35, 18 to 35. It's yeah, I don't, I'm not either, either way. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. The same thing. So just the, the, and that, that stat alone, I could stop right there and that is enough for the church to have to wake up and say whatever we're doing is not working if we're only reaching 20%, right? If we're only reaching yeah. 20% of this entire generation, either they're all messed up, which is what they're saying now, that this entire generation needs to get with the game plan and they need to change the way they're thinking and stop asking questions, which is what's going on in the church, which is what's causing 80% of our generation not to want to go anymore or they yeah. need to look at it and say is there something we could change i mean and whoa that see that you just hit the nail on the head right there that's like the crispy edge of the controversy of why i think millennials aren't going to church yeah because uh they're essentially like it's like are you in or are you out are you gonna concede what you think and feel to the truth yeah. Quote air quotes, or are you not? And it's basically like, I think the church looks at it as like millennials aren't cho they're choosing to not follow God, which is yeah. which is definitely not the case. Millennials are choosing not to go to church, which is way different. There are many like people that have been in church for tens, like decades, are deciding to distance themselves. Tens of years. Tens of <laughs> people who have been in church for tens look, of years. Look, guys. Tens of years. That's that's a real measurement. There is a, such a thing as multiples of tens. Dude, whenever we start... That's, <laughs> when, a, very, that's a very, like, biblical way of saying something. <laughs> yeah. Scores Look, I'm just saying, whenever we start making merchandise, your quotes are going to sell. Just saying. <laughs> no, T but... Tens of is, years on a t-shirt. Okay, take it, it away, though. No, but I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to restate. That's the... That's the you're hit, you're, we're getting to the crux of the issue, yeah. is that it's not about belonging it's about a decision are you in or are you out which yeah. is what excuse me that's not how family works that's not how 
mm-hmm. a body works. The bo- bodies and families don't make decisions like, oh, so are you good? Are you not good? Are you in? Are you out? If something happens in a family to a family member, the family does what? It adjusts. Yeah. <laughs> if something happens in what? a body where uh, my foot is now lame, you don't – you, you normally – or if you were paralyzed, you wouldn't just purposely cut your legs off. You would work and either try to rehabilitate or live with yeah. and adjust. You know? I mean, or take a step further. I think a better analogy with the body is like look at how your body um, handles foreign viruses and stuff like that. Yeah. When you get a flu, your entire body comes together to fight that off. And it's like the opposite with the church because what you have is if there is a sickness or – a lameness that's found in somebody they're isolated and cut off they're not helped they're not cured they're in, unless they adhere to whatever that church's thinking on a matter is i mean yeah the the, the point at where you get i don't want to say shunned but the point where you have to decide to agree and then we can work out our problems or you continue like there's no love for someone who disagrees. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think if someone, even if someone, if I was a pastor and someone in my church decided that they didn't believe in God, I would actually, I think I would still say, I want you to come and be as involved as possible. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, not not as involved as possible, as involved as you want to be. Yeah. Because we're always here for you. And you're, the fact you disagree in the God that we believe in doesn't mean you should stay away from us yeah you know what i mean like obviously there's respect and boundaries and you don't want to be like so if you could do your best not to stand up in the middle of the sermon and shout god is dead that would be great (laughs) not like not like ridiculousness but i mean yeah to say well i guess you just don't belong here is completely ridiculous just because of their standing on a situation or a mess up that they had or whatever you know I mean, if someone's an aggressive atheist, I mean, and they're going to be like preaching atheism in the church, I can see how that would be yeah. strange. But if you if they want to come and be a part and still hold on to their beliefs, and if someone asks them, they can yeah. explain that they're an atheist. That's I don't know. We're getting we're getting off topic, but the point is, it's <clears throat> stupid that you have to agree before you start to seek a sense of belonging at a church. You yep. should be able to find a sense of belonging before you agree. Yeah. And, and that's why people don't want to go to church. Yeah, exactly. Because of that issue. So among the 80% of people of the millennial generation who don't go to church, 35% of people are actually anti-church. And I have kind of like a question for you, Ben. I kind of I know where you stand. Maybe even you too, Nate. Um, and I'll go ahead and answer. Um, Keith thinks he knows me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, so I would just want to pose that question. Are you anti-church are you pro-church and i want to say that i'm pro-church but based off everything that i've been through and my experiences with it i don't really see personally why church is needed now we have to like define what church is like in this question yeah like when i say anti-church i don't mean anti-people of god i mean anti-establishment anti Anti-corporation, anti-give me your money so we can pay light bills and pay a pastor's salary. That's what I'm talking about. That's, and I'm and I'm definitely – if if that's the definition, I'm 100% anti-church because I don't – like I, I want to have a group of believers and I even want to have people who I can come together with and worship and pray and seek God and do stuff to help people and – you know, God willing, if he puts it on my heart, evangelize somebody, even though it's a scary word to some people. But yeah, but I don't I, I definitely if church, the definition is a corporation. I'm I'm anti-church. I mean, I I think everyone that's currently going to church out there listening to the podcast is also anti that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody's like, oh, we love the corporation aspect of a church. It's so sick jesus loves to do tax reports <laughs> I, I mean okay exactly. let me let me there are several few people but the majority of the people that are still in church are anti that i think but what isn't happening is people aren't evaluating things for what they are and that's really like it's a lot of truth about how churches are even though 
they might not be motivated by the church itself wasn't founded so that we could make money but it it definitely needs to make money and that's weird yeah. that's gross to me that yeah. this thing that we're doing it needs money to happen and so money is a motivating factor in what we do and how we do things is based around how much money we can make that's weird but back to the question you asked me. I'm sorry. I'm Are like, you been anti-church? Are you pro-church? The definition of church that I gave, not any other definition. I'm definitely pro-church. What, okay. what, what, you mean, wait, wait, wait. You gave two definitions. The de- no, you no, gave, no. Like, people gathering together in the name of Jesus, and then you gave like corporation. No. So which definition? Okay. The definition that I gave that I answered to, that I am anti-church. You're anti... Oh, I'm anti that. Okay. So, yeah, because my, my rebuttal to that was... Yeah. I'm I'm pro getting together with people and people yeah. being the church, but I started off with saying church as a corporation or church as an not even organization, but like as a business. Sure. I I mean I am definitely oh it's a dicey issue. I definitely like a lot of people. I'm anti corporation and so is everyone else. But the thing that separates me from a lot of other people is that a lot of other people are like. No, bro, my church is different, dude. Like, we're not about that. We're about, like, this, and we're about, like, Jesus and helping people and this and that. And it's true that there are churches out there that are like that, totally legit. I love every single aspect of what that church is. But the vast, vast majority is far more business-centric than it should be. And people need to be. People need to realize that, like, oh yeah, my church is uh, not that different, and uh, but we really do love each other. Uh, but it's yeah, it's pretty business centered, you know. <laughs> well, even churches that claim that are doing stuff to help people and stuff like that, they can almost use that as a re a reason to make more money as well. Like, I mean, there the church that we came out of, like, we did a lot of stuff to help people. We and all that stuff. It was good. It was definitely about building people up for the the outreach stuff that we did, I guess, is what I'm saying. But at the same time, you know, when you're when you have a pastor who's making <laughs> more income than most of the people in that church. Yeah. Or there's double, some whatever. Yeah. Double the income. Yeah. And then you and for some reason, and this is a question I don't understand, how being married to a pastor dictates you get a annual salary i don't understand how pastors wives get paid i just don't understand like you're you're not the pastor you're in some cases they do real work in some cases they don't or the pastor's husband you know we're we're equality here girls can be pastors too (laughs) so i'm I'm down for it but i don't understand how a spouse gets paid because they're spouse oh (laughs) it scares me every time yeah okay so nate what do you think to that question and i have a follow-up question after this one um there's, there's, uh, I'm conflicted because there's, there's a lot of thoughts going on in my head. That's easier. Yeah. As, as far as, <sighs> okay. The, so the first, as far as the first definition of church being what it should be. Yeah. 180,000%. I'm for a church as a group of people being what the Bible actually says they should be. As far as the corporation aspect, I kind of, I'm kind of leaning pro under one condition. Really? Under one condition that the theory of it could work. I, I honestly, it's almost like, it's for me, not to get political here, but it's almost like socialism. The theory is good. Like, there's so much behind Except it. Except that the fact that socialism has killed more than any genocide. Listen, listen, This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. The theory, if you re- if you wrote it down on paper, the theory is that it it could work in a perfect world where people aren't crooks, but you throw people's personal interests in it, yeah, and that's where the corporation side of a church, the structure side of a church, the side of the church that does unfortunately require money, that's where things get screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm all for a group of believers going out there and saying, "Hey, you know." this could get big enough to where we can't fit everybody inside of our houses. So let's go ahead and buy a building. But it just gets so messed up and so ugly so fast. The theory of it, I think 
is relatively innocent, but I just don't see it working in a modern world. And yeah. I've been in a lot of churches throughout my life, and I and I haven't seen it work there. So as far as practically speaking, I am anti-corporation church. Can I add and then ask a question? Sure. Yeah, go for so it. That, I just want to say that the way that you described it, Nate, is how it should work. And I think that good churches will operate this way. You said we gather in a house, we get so big that we need and we need a building. If your church gathering needs to grow, then purchasing a building that you can obviously afford because you're already above your means, you use wisdom and you can purchase a building without having some kind of financial constraint on it because we needed it. Now, the American thing to do is... Build the biggest freaking building that you can find. Yeah, if we just build it, they will come. So we go into tons of debt. We just field of dreams it. That's literally, that's modern day church. We we go into tons of debt building a building that we hope we're going to need. And then we hire a staff that will hopefully make enough money to be able to pay and not need to lay people off. And then as we, when we establish the business aspect, we then go after the consumer to support our venture, which the venture is people. And we should go after a building to support that, not going for a building and then venturing to get, you see what I'm saying? It's like backwards. Like our, our venture should be the people, and then we meet those needs by b- buying a building, not the venture is the building, and then we get the people to meet the building's needs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's because just, it's so backwards and money focused, it sucks. Yeah. It's just dumb. Well, and and that that's where you have the hiccup too when you when you need money, and that's why so the church that we came out of and a lot of other small churches, that's the struggle with small churches. When you need money, you have to beat your congregates up. Otherwise, what's paying the bills? Well, you, you know what I'm saying. Able, you'd be able to pay the bills if you didn't already overextend. That's yourself what I'm saying. The lack of wisdom. That's what I'm saying, and that's that's the issue. When you build a church and you're financing a pastor's salary, that is completely unfeasible. Like that, and you have a building where sixty. 50 to 60 percent of the seats are empty yeah because we wanted to make room for the growth and now we're having trouble supporting what we what didn't happen we didn't need a bigger building but god spoke to us we got one because we had a vision and i'm just saying that like it's just not smart to have a vision where finances are necessary but fruit isn't present to supply the need Mm. you know what i mean that's deep (laughs) that's perfect dude (laughs) I guess Pastor that's I guess here. that's part of the theory that I'm talking about. Like in my mind, the theory of a corporate church that could actually work out is one that is fiscally responsible from the start, you know, and that a model of necessity for finances is what motivates the income of a church, not a desire for the necessity. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, the necessity comes before the desire for it. You know what I mean? And I also want to specify real quick, and I think that we probably all three of us feel this way, but speak for myself anyway, that even if I personally am against something, like I don't believe in something, that's not me saying that I wish that it was illegal and that somebody else's rights to feel differently are taken away. Because obviously a lot of what we're talking about on this podcast is a desire to see the church be more tolerant for people that think differently. And so, no way, dude. Screw yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Burn the heathens. Um, but no, but but for real, like I I, I want to be careful, like on air, to never say anything that sounds like I'm persecuting other believers for thinking differently. And I wish that all churches could just have their legal rights to be a corporation removed just because I don't think it's good. No, like I'm not saying that at all. No one's saying that. But I do want to say though. I mean this. Just to yeah. you personally, Nana, this podcast, at least for me, it's I really don't care what I say on here. I, <laughs> like, I'm going to be honest. Well, there's a good reason that we have Nate as a friend and <laughs> we have him on the podcast. Because... Okay, we got to keep going. Otherwise, we're, we're literally two bulletin points into this. And how, well, how much time I have? Can I... 25 minutes. We are, we're gonna, are we going to do we're one We're only doing one on stats. 
Okay, read your stats, and then I have this question that I've been sitting on cooking, and it's going to hatch when those stats come out, okay? Okay, so I'm just going to go flip through a few of them, and then we'll we'll stop there. Okay, so 59% of millennials who grew up in church have dropped out. Understandable. Yeah, I don't blame them. Church, church attendance. Um, there's a poll taking in, taken in 2005. Since then, church attendance has dropped from 43% to 36%, which doesn't seem like a huge drop. Yeah. But that's a good – yeah. When, when you're looking at the overall population of the world, so yeah. that's, that's a huge percentage. Uh, the percentage of people who haven't attended in six months rose from one-third to two-fifths. The number – is more dramatic. Oh yeah, the number is more dramatic among millennials, equaling fifty percent. So, uh, the number of people who haven't attended church in six months, um, in as far as overall attendance, has since two thousand five has gone from one third to two fifths. But specifically in the millennial generation, it's gone from one third to one half to fifty percent. Of the over fifty percent of the millennial population, just hasn't been in church in six months. Um. So yeah, we'll stop there, and then I have something else I want to get into. So, what's your question, Ben? Okay. Uh, my question is, um, does and this is the question that many millennials are asking themselves when they're evaluating whether or not they want to go to church. And so, like, to kind of put a different spin on that question that you asked, like, are you anti-church? Uh, not saying – not I'm not asking if you're anti-church. I'm saying, is there a value in going to church? And if so, what is it? Now, I'm saying traditional church. So what is the value of – is there value to going to traditional church like everyone's used to, like on Sunday – you go to the church, everybody worships, you hear a sermon, and you go home. Being a part of that model, is there is there any value to it? And if so, what's the value? I, other than the fellowship and listen, listening to someone who knows the Bible probably a little bit better than you do, like, you know, because I got to give it to pastors. I mean, they do study and yeah, true. they learn a lot about the Bible and there's tons of people who know way more than I do and have there's questions I have they can answer them in a heartbeat I'm like oh I put that one to rest I guess so um but overall other than the fellowship and teaching I don't think there's much value in it besides that but those are big things so those I would say there is value in church but I, f- I feel like there are aspects of church where god is like i feel like i could go through a sunday service where god wasn't even there and i could learn nothing about god at all i mean true i mean i guess as a follow-up question what there is value in church if it's done right yeah but why is a big building traditional church air quotes why is that necessary for oh. those two things that you mentioned oh yeah yeah no, no. how That's... does how does the sorry the tradition, I missed... how does the traditional model of church present those okay. where where you could get those without it could you get those things without the traditional model 100% so now that we've decided that you don't need it for those things is there any church val- is completely is there any value irrelevant is it's... there any value no there's not there's okay. there's no value in the stru- in the structure in the the building traditional itself. model. Yeah, there's there's no value in the traditional model itself if you take apart the spiritual aspects from it. Okay, okay. I because because I would say I strangely even though I just seem like I totally think there's no value in church. I would disagree. I think there is a value. And what? E- even though it's few and far between, is that if I'm gonna have church. Well, if I want to get involved with people in a spiritual way that I don't know, 
it's a really great place to go and meet people that you can experience. It's like a social club where everybody there probably agrees pretty closely to what your life stance is. So it's a, it's a, it's not really, it doesn't give me people that know more about the Bible that can preach the gospel to me and disciple me and develop me. It doesn't give me fellowship where I build really meaningful relationships. But it, what, what it does do is <clears throat> I think it's a really good place to start kindling relationships with people. Like I met okay. you at a traditional church and I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't yeah. for the traditional church we were a part of. Same thing with, I mean, I met Nate kind of through school and stuff like that, but there's so many people in my life right now that have impacted me in such a way that I would never have met if it wasn't for the facilitation or the catalyst that traditional church is. So as far as like serving yeah. as a catalyst, I love traditional church. But, but then on the flip like, side though, yeah, go ahead. on the flip side, I don't, I don't think church is necessarily needed for that as well, because the whole reason that I'm a Christian is because I met Ryan Miller sure. at a, uh, at a, what was it? A tra- at a trade school. Yeah. You know, that, that was not a church. That was not a catalyst for, sure. you know, in that definition, but he was someone who was being Christ and not even, yeah, I wasn't even part of the social club, but the social club came to me, you know what I'm saying? So you came to the social club because (laughs) we really preached the social club. And we really believed in it. We really, really did. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think even that aspect could be found outside of it. I, 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 I do agree with you that it's not, I guess it's not necessary for that in in my life right now i think it's the best and easiest option to get that because it's less frequently that people meet at job corps and get involved with people in spiritual ways but the the point i'm trying to make is that i think it's valuable for that but beyond that i don't really other than that catalyst that starts the spark of relationships where you can really have what the church is supposed to be in real relationships i i don't see it as a enduring and necessary part of a christian life it's you, yeah. see, you see what I'm saying. So pretty much what you're saying is you see the social club of church as a good substitute for like because from from what I'm understanding, like sure. if we as Christians were, uh, for lack of better terms, doing our job better in the world or whatever, and we're out being the Ryan Millers and Job Corps and the whatever so if we if the if we hypothetically like not even hypothetically but in those terms were being bringing the social club to people there would be no need to have the easy cheap social club that's just easiest because that's what you said you said in your life it's the easiest solution for now it's it's the it's the produces the most result with the least amount of effort currently which isn't bad i mean it's not it's not it doesn't make it cheap it just no, makes no. It, it's the best thing we got going on right now to meet other people that are like hey i kind of am interested in this jesus thing can someone help me with this and yeah because people normally don't come up to me at work and they're like hey i'm kind of interested in this jesus thing can you help me with that but they do come to church and say that you know what i mean not saying that awesome. not, not saying it's necessary church isn't necessary but church is serving a good purpose in that aspect currently. But I agree with you that if we were all doing a really freaking good job at at being being Christian, being salt and light and yeah. a city on a hill in the earth, you know, then we wouldn't necessarily need the social club. But it's uh it's working, I guess. I mean, if you look at like the first generation church, yeah. They didn't have a building. They met the temple just because there were that's i mean that was the religion of the time was judaism so they met there but most of it was house to house they went to where the people were the church was i mean sometimes they would just meet on a riverbank and pray and read through the scriptures and you know what i'm saying so i I just that gave me like a revelation to to get really spiritual go for it is that like what if we treated church like that now like we just hey let's go find a riverbank we we we, (laughs) get some people together yeah well i mean I feel like we as I feel like it's kind of like what you're doing. We're we're kind of transitioning that way in life. But I just had a thought of like, 
me and temple don't have a super good relationship, but for some reason the early Christians did visit the temple, even though they didn't necessarily agree with everything. They were like, hey, this is a hub of people that are kind of like-minded and believe in one God, and I'd like to hang out and rub off on them and have them rub off on me. And then and then I'm going to go do the real work of church with my friends and family at my house or on the riverbank or the real Christian lifestyle is going to happen there. I mean, I guess I, I could see that. If you've got the stamina to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's also important to mention on that topic of going back in time, talking about the early church, that inviting people in that weren't already believers was frankly very dangerous because they lived in a time and in places where Christianity for a long period of time was heavily persecuted. So it wasn't really an option, even if, it was the model of the church back then to just say, oh, uh, you believe really differently than us? I mean, that's fine. Come, Go ahead and eat some co- uh, donuts and drink some coffee and listen to our sermon and, you know, sleep on it. Because they very well could have been assassinated in their own building. You know what I mean? Because persecution was that strong. So, like, they, they didn't really have the option either. So I think that that's something to mention. Had, had the yeah. world been safer back then they may have done evangelism inside the walls of the church as much as at the riverbank and in the marketplace. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just something that hit my head. Do you think that if I went to, like... Okay, make make that point, and then I'm going to move on to some other stuff. Do you think if I went to, like, Lakewood, Joelstein's church, or or Elevation, Stephen Ferdig's church, do you think if I went to those places and preached that church wasn't really necessary like this conversation that we're having right now would they stone me like steven or drag me out uh, and like they would i gnash think their you would i think you could get shut down their fists i honestly don't think they would listen to me. you i don't think they would listen to you i think they'd be like oh one of those guys they would they would, security would throw me out for sure but i don't think they'd kill <laughs> me because it's more illegal than it was in bible times. yeah all right so uh the three main factors why millennials aren't going to church are Irrelevance, hypocrisy, and moral failures of leaders, and that as that the stupidest excuse, you know, moral failure of leaders. I don't like that. <laughs> per the uh, the study by Barna, but it's understandable. I mean, when you the thing is when you build your leaders up to be gods, and yeah. they can't be they can't be swayed by anything. Well, I'm gonna rephrase that real quick. Not that what you said isn't true, but when leaders build themselves up as gods. Yeah. And then fail. Yeah, that's a problem. I don't I don't feel like the average person going to church is like, oh, dude, that guy is so perfect. He's got to be so perfect. Like that exists. But I think it's usually that persona that people pastors put on themselves. I'm here to help you and I'm here to teach you and yeah. make you better. And since since I've, I've got the since I've I'm so holy. Since I haven't sinned in years. Exactly. I don't know what you're Ex- talking exactly. about. Since I've been saved, I've never once knowingly done anything remotely wrong people Not talk once. about losing their fire excuse, excuse the f what <laughs> so I, I think okay let's hit it one topic at a time okay so irrelevance or, we we gotta have some kind of structure otherwise people are gonna stop listening to this hey i'm just letting everyone know that <laughs> listens to the podcast i'm a constant driving force against structure in my life. <laughs> no. <laughs> so on the podcast where we uh where we talk about how structure is bad let's put some structure on it okay so what I'm going to do, I'm going to... Hypocrisy <laughs> Christianity. So I'm going to list a word, and you guys talk about it, and Ben, Nate, and then me, and we'll just go in a circle. Try and keep it as brief as possible. We're already at 42 minutes. So irrelevance. Boom. Why is that a big factor in why people aren't going to church? I, I think that's kind of what we touched on, is that there is no value or perceived value in the eyes of anyone under the age of 30 to attending a church, what can I get here that I couldn't get somewhere else for less tithe money? Yeah. Boom. Good answer. I think that part of it, like, I'm, this is hard to articulate, but because for the other reasons there aren't a lot of millennials going to church, other millennials feel it's irrelevant because their natural cliques that they're going to form aren't really present there. You know, like, other people their age aren't there, so it automatically becomes irrelevant, like, to them and to a lot of them. Yeah, I think other than the structure of it, I think a lot of what the church teaches is kind of irrelevant. A lot of 
No, I, I really do. I think a lot of what the church teaches is based mm. around finances or based around this or that. There is some good. There is some good in what the church teaches. I'm yeah. not saying that it's not, but I'm saying there's a lot of things that the church teaches that is really irrelevant and not needed. And I mean, I guess so. yeah, probably you're right. I can see. Next word. All right, hypocrisy. <sighs> so deep. Okay, I don't like this. Is I I wanna I wanna be really way more harsh than I should be. Jesus wants me to be. Can I just, can I just like say one thing about my last one? Cause you guys just kind of laughed at me and I feel like I didn't really express it. Nope. So when I'm saying irrelevance, I don't mean like, Oh, we don't need to hear about how sin is bad or we don't need to hear about how we should be yeah. evangelizing. I'm talking about when you're bringing money to the table when you're bringing politics to the table when you're bringing up social issues that are going on that can be talked about elsewhere than the pulpits. Mm. That's what I'm talking about when, okay. I, when I mean what's being taught. So all the things that millennials care to talk about on social media and in their natural habitat, no one wants to touch those things in church because all the conversations we like having are irrelevant here because they're, they, they carry too much disagreement. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, even talking about them on a side platform, like I wouldn't even mind talking to a pastor about what he thinks about uh, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, this and that. They wouldn't want to talk to you about that. Well, I wouldn't even <laughs> – I wouldn't even care hearing their point of view, but those are things that don't need to be talked about from the pulpit, especially Donald Trump. That doesn't need to be oh, something well, preached I mean, out, out of the pulpit. Uh, yeah, I, I hear you there. That's Because apparently I, he's Jesus. Yeah, that's something so. that doesn't need to be talked about on social media anymore. I'm, I'm over <laughs> that conversation. I mean, he talks about himself enough on social media. so Yeah, it's all over the news. Okay. okay. I just want to clarify that. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. <sighs> okay, so... Uh... Hypocrisy comes from the Greek word hippo. No, I'm just kidding. Hippo. <laughs> hippo. I don't know. I I used to know, um, but it it literally, from what I remember about like the study of the word hypocrisy, it means to play two roles in a play. Is like the original mm -hmm. to okay. to be in like a play production and play two roles, where you would wear a mask for one role and take it off for the other role that you're playing. So to pretend to be two people is terrible and completely makes you lose all credibility for anything that you say why why would i believe anything you say when you're two different people one person when you're at church you're a superhero and the other person at home who fails in sin who struggles to continue the christian lifestyle and has real issues why are the why is it okay for you to pretend to be two people like that and then preach to me one truth and expect me to believe that there's not another one when you go into your house and you're alone where no one sees you. Yeah. That makes millennials not trust what's taught in a church or what, what re relationships that they would build in a church. And so that drives them away. Yeah, totally. Um, the, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and to beware of that man. And I don't think that that's like necessarily some like divine spiritual insight that I could have never come up with on my own and common sense. And so I think that the rest of the world probably feels the same way. If you look into somebody's life and you just see that like they, they say one thing, they do another, they think one thing one minute and then they change their mind the next, that's like an instant red flag that should be going off. Like, I, I mean, not that they're a terrible person, but I don't know if I can really like look up to them. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. it, whether people disrespect hypocrisy or not, it's another issue. The fact that it just simply can't be trusted to help you is, I think, the point that really needs to be made. Like, I can't be helped by somebody that can't help themselves, regardless yeah. of how re much respect I may have for them or how much disrespect I may have for them. Yeah. Well, I think hypocrisy is really bad in the church because I'm really scared of hippos, and it reminds me of hippos. Just the word. So I love you. I love you. Uh, <laughs> stop ostracizing the podcast, Keith. Yes, <laughs> my one phrase that we'll put on a coffee mug. All yeah, right. Before before we move on, real quick, final point. Something I just final point. Uh, the opposite of hypocrisy is genuineness, and I think that that's authenticity. Authenticity. Boom. It, I think Hashtag. that's something that. Oh, hello. So loud. I think that's something that millennials value above anything you know yeah. what i mean like 
that whole idea of being a poser. <laughs> like yeah. millennials need authenticity in their relationships because they that's a very rare trait in a relationship. That's why yeah. there's so many meaningless relationships in the millennial community is because authenticity and genuineness is a Dude, very Dude, I figured quality. it out. Okay, tell me. I figured out why millennials don't I, go to church. I'm responsible for this. What I said <laughs> made him think this. <laughs> so Taking the, credit for this. So we – Genuinely. Millennials have like this superpower to like see a poser almost. Like you know what I'm talking about? Like if you're in a coffee shop or whatever, someone walks in and – you instantly like if if there's a bunch of millennials in the room, they instantly know if they're a poser. Like, there's no way he's he's not real. So we go to church and we we're looking at the pastors like, he ain't real, bro. He ain't real. Maybe I'm not a millennial because like I see people <laughs> come in and I'm like, man, I wish it was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one: moral failures of leaders. And then I have another question to ask you, and I'll see if you guys can guess it. So. Th- I, I feel very passionately about this one. Moral failures of leaders, if they weren't hypocrites, should be a natural part yeah. of yeah. like real Christian life. Is that I'm not totally. saying I'm not saying I expect everyone to f- fail morally and be terrible people if they're Christians and in Christian community, but you're going to see the nitty gritty, yeah. and you shouldn't pretend like it doesn't exist. The only reason that those big pastors that get caught in crazy situations because they try to cover it up it's because they try to cover it up and they got a false face that falls away and that's what really hurts millennials is when they see oh you weren't authentic this whole time and it's it's the revelation that someone wasn't authentic that's painful not the moral failure itself it's the moral failure of a hypocrite exactly like if i was a genuine pastor and people knew me and i communicated with people that like I'm not just killing it every second of every day. I have weaknesses and I fail just like you, but I'm not giving up. That's yeah. inspirational and the type of leadership that we need. And when that yeah. guy fails morally, people rush to support him yeah. instead of run from a crumbling castle. But the pastor who says, I have no sin. I have not lo- never lost my faith. I am the pinnacle man of God. And that's that man of God syndrome. When When the man of God stumbles in hypocrisy and has moral failure that's what pushes people away i just hate that that i hate the fact that our our man of god always has to be a hypocrite because we wouldn't let someone who has regular not regular but is honest with himself and fails morally we wouldn't Mm -hmm. let him be a man of god because you need to be more fake than that and more hidden than that yeah it just doesn't make any sense to me so i i'm i would love a pastor who shares his moral failures with me because i don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen when it happens the next time i've already decided i love him in spite of it and we have a real relationship unlike that godlike status that crumbles and causes so much pain in the christian community so i think it ties back to it's more of a problem of hypocrisy than it is a problem of moral failure okay that's my passion's done i mean i don't have anything to add to that okay hippos nailed it So what I'm going to do, because we are 52 minutes in, I'm just going to read off the rest of this. And if you're real, you'll keep listening. (laughs) And then whatever you guys comments you have to make, then we'll be done. And somehow Nate worked himself into this episode. I'm not even sure how that happens. If you come and sit in the studio, you're going to become a part of the episode. Yeah. There are no watchers Unless you're here. asleep or like unconscious or something. Yeah. I was I was going to try to be the silent woman, but it just didn't work. Yeah. I had to speak out. And you lost Wait, your head covering. Was that was that a reference to like the Bible? Yeah. Oh. Jeez, no, man. It's a joke. It's a joke. Whoa. <laughs> it's a joke. Man. Wow. All right. Uh, I'm I'm no, offended. <laughs> sure glad we invited that guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Onward. Yeah, sorry. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to read just a bunch of stuff and tell me what you guys think. Okay, so two in ten, two out of ten millennials say that God is missing in church. Uh, the reasons why people go to church, these are the top reasons um, when they interview people or whatever. So 44, 44% of people say they go to church to get closer to God. 27% of people say they go to church to learn about God. And 22%, only 22% say they go for the fellowship. Um, 
So, in spite of all this, only 1 in 10 people feel close to God in church. Fewer than 1 in 10 what? say they learned fewer than 1 in 10 say they learned about God in their last service. That's 6% of the entire Christian population say they learned about God in their last service. It's because all of that stuff that they want doesn't come from the church. Like I said, it's the yeah. catalyst, not the real Christian life. That comes from real relationships with real freaking Christians. Boy. Yeah. So I got a couple more, and then you guys can and God, just rant. I guess. Yeah, he's good, too. So 61% of millennials say they didn't gain any insight their last – or 61% of people say they didn't gain any insight their last visit. 61%. Um, reasons why people don't attend, um, 40% said, I find God elsewhere, and 35% say that church is irrelevant. So <laughs> kind of like the same thing. Kind of like – yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so that sums up everything. I don't know if you guys have any notes you want to make, any points you want to make on that. Do I have time to issue challenges after he makes a, says a thing? Um, all, all I was going to say is really that I think that everything you just said really just is the whipped cream and the cherry on top of everything we've already been talking about. Yeah. Like, I, I think really like we've elaborated on all that already. It's just like further proof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like further statistics. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know why okay just one thing. i don't know why he made me think of that when you said uh, like the uh, cherry, cherry whipped cherry cream and cherry it made me think i don't know why it doesn't even make sense it made me think of do you remember that sermon pastor tom did one time where he stopped in the middle of it and he was like give me a minute i gotta wet my whistle and took a sip of water dude i wanted to crack up so bad like why didn't you there's nothing wrong with laughing in church like like why did you say that that's what people say let me wet my whistle real quick have you yeah you're being judgmental no that's not what that means that's not what that means yes yes it does i've heard it referenced many times let me wet my whistle (laughs) no yeah Many people have said that before I, taking a drink. No, Many old never, that's the only time I've ever heard that. Really? Yes. Oh, man. It must be an Anderson thing. No, you're just disconnected from the <laughs> senior citizens, okay? We've been in that's church our it. whole lives. Old people are yeah. a family, okay? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you've seen multiple people wet whistles. Yes. All the time. In completely innocent ways. <laughs> As maybe that's why I didn't catch it. I, <laughs> do they I, ever I wet each other's whistles? Like, do they... <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be weird. Only married couples do that, Keith. Otherwise, oh, oh, man. okay. All right. Well, so Keith, do you care if I issue challenges? All right. Do you think? Okay. So I thought it would be a pretty cool idea uh, at at the end of the episode after everyone stopped listening to talk about irrelevant stuff. No, <laughs> no. Uh, only thirty five percent. Only thirty five percent irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Um, but like, I, I, not a challenge, but just like an invitation to, if I'm wrong about this, someone that goes to a church right now and sees a lot of value in it, or just a pastor who leads a church and sees a lot of value in what they do there. I would love to hear a counter argument to the points that we've made about the irrelevancy of church. Uh, the reason that millennials don't like it. Like for example, um, is there an answer for the fact as to why there is not a resounding alarm searching for a lost generation of people that are under 30 and we're content to sit around with uh, people that are 40 and up with a, a, a congregation that unless something changes drastically, the congregation will just be gone when those people, not to be morbid, but pass away. When it's that generation's time to go, where will the next generation be? Why isn't that alarm going off? Two... Church is irrelevant. If it's not, talk to me about it and tell me why it's not irrelevant. Um, mm-hmm. wh- millennials don't feel like church is listening to them. How do you respond to that whenever we say, when millennials, the cry of the millennials heart is, you're not listening to us. What's your response? When they say, uh, there's no room for us here. Our thoughts and our opinions aren't welcome in the structure that existed before we got here. That's why 59% of people that were raised in church have left church. How do you respond to the people that say there's no room for me here? 
is there a good counter argument? I guess that's, I'm just throwing that out there. Like if there's a good counter argument, please find this podcast and argue with me because I love to disagree with someone and then have them prove me wrong. I mean, I would take one step further and say, you're more than welcome to even be on the show. Uh, yeah, this please. is an invitation. If you want to be on a podcast yeah. that has oh, brace yourselves about 50 monthly listeners, oh. you could be that. We have a Facebook group of 125. We've got a congregation already here for you. We'll let you Mm. drop your address on the podcast, and they will attend. Promises. From Japan. From (laughs) Japan. I swear, dude, we we give them so much crap. Uh, It's only because we love them. Keith, I give you crap every time I hang out with you. It's because I love you. Japan, you're my bro. Fist bump. <laughs> the land, whole country. Land of the rising fist bump. The no. whole island. You are my bro. You are my bro, Japan. Okay. That's I, a- I have one thing <clears throat> to say. And it's back on a former topic, but I think it's I think yeah. it's important. I, I know I know I'm about I'm about to go. So as as far as the question of like what makes what what can I get from church that I can't get like from, from the corporate side of like a church that I can't at least easily or commonly get from just being the church outside of four walls of a building and money and all this stuff. One thing that I do think is legitimate, all jokes aside, is let's say that I am a missionary, uh, third world style, like I'm not just doing local missions. I really need money to travel, and I believe that this is what God's called me to do. Um it is kind of like Ben said, it's it's a hub for people that you don't know that do have resources that God can pull on their heart, not in a way to abuse people and get their money, but like to see God's work done. It, it to, yeah, only 35% of the time yeah. does this actually work, but that's still a lot of money that can be used to help you fulfill what you believe is your calling. And if when, when that's done innocently... Um, and for all the right reasons, I do think that that's a huge benefit to corporate churches that bring in money, um, that you're probably not going to get just showing up to house churches in the same amounts, uh, because most of those house churches are going to be close knit groups of people that know each other already. From my experience anyway, it's not going to be like a ton of people you don't know. So yeah, it's just more people that you can reach with a call for help okay one i have one final question this is something that i just thought about but i can't stop thinking about now how when you said missionary how did missionary become a sexual position do you guys know i have no idea (laughs) it perplexes me well keith well keith let me let me do you know this this. yeah so i mean this guy's called to it probably i mean i thought this (laughs) i thought i thought this was common knowledge but if you if you think that if you think that Christianity today is uh, strict morally, go back a couple three hundred years. Uh, what the church taught back then about morality, even within marriage between a heterosexual couple, was a lot more extreme than most people believe today, and that goes all the way back into sorry positions of what is moral inside of marriage and what is not. So it became common knowledge that the only sexually moral position, uh, Ben, I hate you right now. The only sexually moral position (laughs) was missionary. Everything else was immoral. And this is is totally real. Like you can look this up. I thought it was like, cause you're invading a foreign land or something. (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't even get that reference. But, so anyway 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 it was it was viewed as the missionary or the christian sexual position because it was the only one that required you to not only to 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 have sex without looking at the nakedness of the other person just looking at their face and engaging in intimate sex for the sake of reproduction and not sexual pleasure there you go that sounds gross. I think that it's called the missionary position because whenever missionaries reached India, where they had that Kama Sutra stuff going on, they they used it as a derogatory term to describe boring sexual positions. Because <laughs> that these, was cri- it. these Christian <laughs> these Christian missionaries are coming over here and trying to like preach the gospel of boring sex to us. <laughs> there you go. And that's a podcast. <laughs> 
what just happened? <laughs> All right, so signing off for today, we hope will you enjoyed the first sixty minutes in this. I hope you skipped this part. <laughs> <laughs> That, well, that was just an introduction to our sex podcast that we're going to be starting soon. Yes. I don't want to be a part of it. That's awkward. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week for Why Millennials Aren't Going to Church Part 2. And then we're going to get into some other cool stuff. Hopefully have a, someone who wants to disagree with us. Pastor yeah, please. Disagree with us. Please. Next week featuring Doggy. Doggy.